This is episode 13 of the Rising Man podcast with Adam Roa. You heard? What's up, everybody? Jetty Azuma here, and I am the host and creator of the Rising Man podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I just want to extend you a nice, warm welcome. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for stepping up and deciding to choose yourself, to choose to become a better man by seeing what is out there for you. I promise that we've got so much amazing information in store for you. My commitment for this podcast is really to help inspire and motivate men to become the best version of themselves, not just for their lives, but for the people around them and for the entire world. So if you're listening for the first time, thank you for being here. And thank you for choosing to be the best man you could possibly be. If this is your first time here, or if you're listening and you haven't taken the opportunity to join the Rising Man Facebook group yet, please do. Go head over to facebook.com slash group slash the rising man. This is where we are continuing the dialogue of what it means to be the best, most capable version of ourselves we can possibly be. This is where we're engaging in questions related to the episodes and just relating to life as a man in general every single day. We're over 500 strong and we're looking for more men from all over the world to help contribute to this conversation, contribute to this community, this brotherhood that's growing. So if you haven't already joined yet, please go and check that out. And before I get into introducing our guest for this week, I wanted to take a quick moment to speak to something that I have seen ever since I've gotten into men's work. And that is how difficult we as men have, how difficult of a time it we have asking for help, especially asking for the help that we need, because none of us can really do it alone. And we're not, we're not meant to. And in terms of becoming the best men that we can be, in terms of becoming fathers and husbands and career men and professionals, there's just only so much we can possibly know. And there's a lot more that we can't know. And so I know that I'm not that unique. I know there's a lot of men out there right now who maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're looking for some insights and inspirations to help guide you along your journey. And that's wonderful and that's beautiful. And I also know that the only way that we get dramatic results in our lives is by taking action. And what I've done in the past couple of weeks is create space in my schedule so that I can interact with some more of you men more directly. Those of you who are really ready to uplevel your lives, who hear this podcast, who you, you've read the books and you've, you've taken the courses and you, you've, you've gotten all this information in your head and you're like, I'm, I'm ready to really lift off. I want to talk to you. So if you're ready to discover your purpose, find the right relationship for you, overcome your vices, limiting behaviors, take it to another stratosphere in your life, I want you to hit me up on Facebook. Send me a direct message or email me, jettyzoom at gmail.com. I'm ready to start supporting you, man, being the best version of yourself. So hit me up. Let me know how I can support you. All right. This week, we have got an amazing, incredible, and very unique man on this show. His name is Adam Roa. He's the creator and host of the Deep Dive podcast. He's a multidimensional artist, coach, and creator, spoken word performer. He's a speaker and an author. He's been featured in Elephant Journal and the Huffington Post for his performances. This month, he's going on tour through the end of May and beginning of June with his Permission to Think Freely show. He's traveling through Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, New York City, Denver, and then all the way back to LA to wrap it up with a and go out with a bang. Um, if you want to check it out, head over to adamroa.com to get for more information. He is an incredible dude. In this conversation, we talked about taking ownership of our lives, not just of our responsibilities, but for everything that comes into our lives, even the things that we don't really want to feel responsible for or the things we don't believe we're responsible for, taking ownership of that and why that is so important for our personal growth. Uh, Adam provides a lot of tools to help us take that ownership in our lives. And we shifted into a lot of really interesting conversations about overcoming our deepest fears so that we can live into our highest purpose, the power of empathy, how it can change the world, and why we can feel hopeless at times when it comes to global issues and why we need to just find something that lights us up and fight for that no matter what. Listen, guys, make sure you turn up the volume, grab your notebooks if you're not driving and take this out because Adam has some amazing wisdom to drop on all of you guys. So without further ado, I present to you guys, Adam Roa. All right, 
Adam Roa in the building. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing really well, man. Really, really well. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on here and talk about some masculine topics and some things that you know a lot about, man. Intuition and uh, taking leaps of faith. It's, it's very inspiring to to listen to your journey and see what you've done in the past few years. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to be diving in with you. I know you've been uh, in man cave and supporting with that. So uh, I think we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get right to it, man. Um, I ask every one of my guests the same question when we lead off, and that is, for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? I think the difference between a boy and a man is ownership. I think it's taking ownership of who you are. I think it's taking ownership of what you want. And I think it's taking ownership of your actions. That's the thing that, you know, as from, from boyhood, a lot of things we do is, is trying like we're, we're, we're trying this and seeing how that lands. And we're saying this thing to that girl and seeing how that works. And like, we're trying. And a lot of times the things don't work, you know, the businesses fail or the, 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 the relationships um, are unhealthy or whatever it is. And in manhood to me, it's not even about the business succeeding or the relationship uh, being healthy. It's actually about, can you take ownership of it? Mm. Right. You're no longer like, oh, that was just no, this is me. I stand 100 percent behind what I do and who I am. That's beautiful, man. And for you, when you say ownership, does that also mean taking responsibility for the things that seem outside of our control? Like, for example, someone rear ends you. And how would you hold a situation like that? <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. It makes me wonder if, you, if you've seen some of the comments on my post, uh, because I have a foundational belief that we create our reality. It is, it is the like foundation for everything I do, everything that I believe about, about this reality. And it's a lot easier for people to say that when things are going well. They're like, yeah, my business is killing it. And, and I just accomplished this and received this award. And like, I did that. I created that. And then when someone rear ends you or whatever, it's like, well, you know, that's an accident. That's out of my control. And I personally went through two car accidents within the span of 13 months and both of them required surgery. And I have looked at, okay, well, how am I creating that? Like, what's the actual way that I created that? Cause that's the belief I have. And I realized that those car accidents ultimately led to through a, a long story that I'll, I'll leave out here, but through a long story led led to the spiritual awakening that I ultimately had. It led to the actually looking internally for my, my physical health. It looked internally for my spiritual health. It looked internally at my mental state. And all of those things allowed me to step into who I am now. And so my intention was always to be this person. My intention was to be making an impact. My intention was to be creating artistically all of those things. And who I was at that time needed a real wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And so I created a reality where I got that wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> and so we can take full ownership over, the, over everything that shows up in our experience. And that's super empowering, Jetty, because that means that we can change it. Mm. The moment we say, I created that, it means I can create something different. Mm -hmm. But if you say I'm a victim, I didn't do that, it happened to me, you're also saying there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's a huge one that comes up with the men that I work with and the conversations I had with men. They're like, yeah, Jetty, I hear you, man. But, but you know, I, I wasn't even in control of that guy who came over and stole the stuff out of my house or the person who, you know, hit my dog with the car. And I said, well, what if you were, you know, what, what if you were responsible for that? What would that do? And exactly what you said, man, it puts you in the driver's seat. And when, when we mm -hmm. give that power away, there's really not much we can do about it. We're kind of hanging along for the ride, right? I mean, so many people are scared of their power, right? It's the Marion Williamson quote, right? We're, uh, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And it's scary because now there's, what you're doing is you're getting rid of your excuses. Mm. Now that you can't, you can't blame anything or anyone other than yourself for what life is reflecting back to you. And that's terrifying to some people. So I think that the path and like what I uh, attempt to do with everything that I create is give people the reminder of how powerful they are and the compassion for why they forgot. Mm. Mm. 
Now, tell me a little more about that, the compassion for why they forgot, because that's that that's powerful, man. I want people to understand what you mean by that. I mean, how did I forget uh, how powerful I am? Let's see. Um, there was the time that I, I got into my first fight and my dad saw and he, he, I was crying and he told me not to cry like a little girl. And immediately I shut down. I said, it's not safe to show emotion. It's not safe to be vulnerable as a man in this world, especially around my family. There's the time where the girl in high school who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, who I lost my virginity to, was cheating on me for months. And those are examples, though, of times that I made that mean something about myself. And it, when I, what I made it mean was disempowering. It wasn't like I made that mean, oh, I'm so freaking awesome. She just couldn't handle it. That's why she was cheating on me. <laughs> I didn't make it mean that, you know what I mean? And so the beliefs that we take on are the reasons why we forget. We forget how powerful we are. We forget that we are exactly who we've been looking for and that we have everything we need to accomplish whatever it is we want to accomplish in life. And so it's important to, to recognize that while you can empower people by reminding them that they have the power, there needs to be compassion. There needs to be compassion for what has caused them to forget because through that compassion, we arrive at empathy and through that empathy, they don't feel so alone. And when we feel like we're in it together, that's when we actually actually can have the confidence to make the leaps of faith that we might be scared to do on our own. Yeah. And this, this sounds like a really important step to getting into what you should talk about, taking a leap of faith and really going for your purpose and your calling. So, so how does someone just start to do that? You know, someone who has been in victimhood. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast and my mom is from an Italian family. So New Jersey Italians are a whole different breed. And are you are you full Italian? I'm half Italian, half Japanese. So we got the, we say, got that hop of relationship. Have, so I'm half Filipino. So I have that like recognition that like that mutt going on there. You know what I mean? We got that that Asian mix in there somewhere. Yeah, if people could see our picture side by side, they'd think oh, maybe you guys are related. <laughs> totally. Me, us and Ryan Fontana. That's it. Yeah, the trio. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. But yeah, like I was saying, so in that New Jersey Italian East Coast tradition, it's it's like who is the bigger victim? It's like a competition. So coming from that is like the the culture that I inherited to try and choose my way out. I have my own way of how I did that. But how do you coach people or encourage people to? Where do they start? I think that it starts where we've been talking about. It, it starts by taking ownership. And it's funny because that's like full circle to like, what do I think being a man is? It's like taking ownership. As long as you continue to blame something outside of yourself for what is showing up in your life, you will continue to hold on to some level of belief that your life is outside of your control. And as long as you believe that your life is outside of your control, you will never fully step into your true power. And so for me, when I work with a client, the, the first thing is really in helping them see how powerful they are by taking ownership of everything that's shown up in their experience. And that can take months. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I believe that. And then something happens and they're like, no, like you were saying, no, I didn't like, what about that person who stole money from me? Okay, let's remember the foundational belief that you believed two weeks ago and like, let's talk about it from that perspective. And so over time, there's like, oh yeah, okay, I see that. Oh yeah, okay. And then eventually it clicks. There's this aha like time period that I see with my clients where it goes from a concept that they're learning to a way of life a way, a lens through which they're seeing the world. And when that happens, that's when we shift from learning that into, okay, now you become the creator. Because it's so many people want to step into, I want to create this with my business and I want to create this for my relationships and I want to create this. Okay, yes, that's awesome. And do you believe you're the creator of your reality? And until you take that full ownership of that, any work we do in your business or whatever is always going to have that fatal flaw. It's always going to have that out. It's always going to have that one foot in, one foot out level of ownership of what's being created. And when I see that aha moment shift, I'm like, all right, now we get to like floor it. We get to put the pedal to the metal. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. One of the guys I'm working with just had that moment this week. And, uh, 
it's funny because it's like you said, it's a lens that you can choose to look at life through. And to keep it really simple, if you just ask yourself, how did I create this? Right? Whatever comes up, it's like, how did I create this? How did I create this reality? What is what is this teaching me? Then every and then everything becomes really simple. You don't even have to worry about it anymore. And it's it's easier said than done. You know, I, I think it can take some time to get there. It is it is not it, I like to say simple but not easy. You know, it's a it's a really simple concept and a lot of people think that they believe it. And but when the going gets tough, that's where you really see. And um, it's challenging at times, even for me, you know what I mean? Like I'm right now in, in, in deep promotion for an upcoming tour of my show. Um, and we're going to Canada and New York and Denver and Los Angeles. And I've never done eight cities at this level. I've never gotten venues this big anticipating this amount of people. And I'm spending, you know, 20 plus thousand dollars upfront investment into the show, just being like, this is what I, I intuitively feel I'm supposed to do. I'm trusting that this will happen. And I'm noticing that on days where I feel really stressed or when people haven't responded to emails and I feel like I might be falling behind and all of that stuff, it's easy. Like the brain wants to go, why aren't they responding? Like why aren't, isn't this happening at the speed I want it to happen to? And it takes so much practice and discipline to go, wait a second, what is this reflecting back to me right now? If I was creating this situation to build on what you said, because you said, how am I creating this? Also add in there, if I was, make a game of it. If I was creating this, why would I? And don't, you know, don't make it an absolute statement. Like play the game. If it's, if it's hard for you to take ownership of it, just play the game. If I was, why would I be? And just see what comes up. Allow yourself that space. I love that, man. Because that also gives you a portal into seeing why that might serve me down the road. Because, you know, one thing that we've all learned if we've made it this far in life is that even the worst things that have happened to us have benefited us in some way or provided us something, if nothing else, just a life lesson, a life experience. And when you're in the thick of it, I find is when it's hardest to trust that it's happening for a reason, that it's happening for some higher benefit that, you know, years from now, maybe will become more clear. Mm-hmm. Totally. 100% agree. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, uh, that's great. Let's let's give everybody a little more context behind who you are. Maybe you could tell us some of the challenges that you faced in your journey to finding your truth, because it's, it's an awesome story, man. <laughs> How far back do you want me to go? Uh, well, you know, I was doing some research on you. I was looking at your story and you the story where you got rid of everything. Let's, let's, let's go there. Yeah. Cause that's, that's huge. Basically, uh, my girlfriend and I, who we've been together nine and a half years now, we were living in Santa Monica, California, and we knew, we just felt like it was time to, to shift something. We were stepping into a new chapter and we felt that. And we had these plans to move in with a friend who was moving to California. And it was like this amazing thing. And they were going to be paying um, for the majority of the rent. And it was going to be this beautiful home. And we felt like this was a huge up level. And we hired moving trucks and like set, gave our 30 days notice and like all of this stuff. And in that month, within those 30 days, like maybe two and a half weeks before we were supposed to do this, we find out that she's having issues with her visa Mm. and actually can't come to get into the country. So now we've given our 30 days, we've hired a moving company, we've started packing and it's just fallen through. And we dropped into that state that I'm talking about with you, which is, okay, how's this happening for us, right? Like, how is this always... Everything, you touched on this, everything that's happening in our life is happening for us, for whatever the intention is. The issue is that most people don't have conscious awareness of what their deepest intentions are. Like when I got into that car accident, I didn't know that I was calling that in because I wanted to take more ownership of how powerful I am, the, the spiritual awakening, the physical health improvement, because that was something uh, that I really wanted. Like all of that stuff was called in in a way that I couldn't have anticipated and I didn't see at the time. I thought it was like the worst year of my life. And so we dropped into a space of how is this happening for us and what's being asked of us? And we sat in a plant medicine ceremony because um, I'm a big believer in plant medicines and, and their ability to help us. And what came through loud and clear was 
for the first time in your lives, you have businesses that don't require you to be physically present. You can work from anywhere because we were both, we had both literally quit our jobs and become full-time coaches at that point. And yet it hadn't even occurred to us that that was the case. And so the universe basically orchestrated it in a way where we took this giant leap of faith and we gave away 75% of everything we owned and we just started traveling. And for the next year, we were traveling out of the country for seven months. And looking back on it, we wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have done it if uh, that hadn't happened the way that it did. We weren't kind of backs against the wall. What do we do now? And it was the single best thing we could have done for ourselves personally and professionally. Most of our initial following that we gained online happened because of that story. And people were really curious to see, wait a second, how, they've given away all their stuff. They're just trapped. How are they doing that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and it's stuff like that that really does inspire people. And that's why I, was, I, I really wanted everyone to hear your story and to understand that you went to that place where you gave 75% of what you owned away and and just had to trust that something was going to catch you on the other side. So what is, when you're standing at that precipice, like that moment where you say, okay, we've given away our things. Now what, 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 what comes up for you? Like, is it a physical sensation? Is it like a mental thing? It's actually, um, it's, it's fear of things not working out. You know what I mean? Like, cause we had just become like literally that month was the last month that I was a personal trainer because I was a private personal trainer. I had a successful training business with my own clients that I had for years. I didn't have to work that hard. I was working maybe like 15 hours a week. Um, it, was, it was a very cushy experience for me, but I just wanted more and I wanted to not need to be physically present and trade my time in that way for money. And um, so I was desiring that and I had started coaching and then I made the transition. I said, this is the month where I leave behind the security of this job I've had for seven years and just say, I can do this. And every logical part of my brain was saying, how are you going to leave the country when you've just started this business? Everyone you know is in Los Angeles. Like that's your, your client base. And so there's that logical fear that's coming up. It's like, how are you going to start a business from the road? How are you going to find clients? Like, et cetera, et cetera. And then what are you going to do if you, you have no money? What are you going to do if your credit cards get maxed out? Those were the fears that, that were coming up. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that we can see the fear, but we actually can't see the potential. It's just part of the way this thing works. It's we can imagine worst case scenarios. We know what it feels like to not have money or we know what it feels like to uh, be in pain. And when we start something new, we literally can't actually see the, how that's going to play out. When I said we're going to go travel on like indefinitely with no with just one way tickets from one place to the next, I had no idea what that would do for me. I had no idea the growth I would have. And because we can't see the growth in the same way that we can see the fear, most people, I don't want to make a generalization, a lot of people will often choose to stay in the fear because the unknown is actually scarier to them than the, the uncomfortability. Mm, man, and that is so true. And I think it's something that, like you said, comes up for all of us or many of us, um, and particularly with, with men. Uh, or people who hold like, a, I guess, a masculine energy or essence, because it's that battle between logic and intuition, <laughs> you know, what we think, what we can conceptualize and what we feel. So I want to hear you talk a little bit about that. How do you negotiate the space between logic and intuition? I believe that your guidance system from your higher self, right? This is where the spirituality comes in. I, I have a lot of deep spiritual beliefs, but I, I think that, okay, let's get a little scientific here, Jenny. Um, you got time and people think of time as this actual, like that it just is, it's an empirical time is just one of the dimensions, right? The fourth dimension, it's a blanket, uh, that exists over our current reality, but there's also things beyond time. It's why time can be bent and shaped and wormholes and things like that is because time is, is in many ways, a relative experience. It includes why someone listening to this might feel like this interview goes so fast. 
because they were just like really in it. And then they go and they sit and have a conversation at their work where they're like, oh my God, this, this 30 minutes winds up feeling like two hours. And it's, time is a relative experience. And so that means that there is existence beyond time. And there are things that exist beyond time. And consciousness is one of those things. Consciousness is not limited by time. It is beyond time. And so the part of you, the part of your consciousness that is existing beyond time is able to, like, you're able to feel into that. And that's where your intuition comes in, right? Like, what do you want in this experience? Your higher self beyond time is like, oh, that's just this timeline over here. This is the frequency that, that you need to be in. Here, let me give you an intuitive feeling about that to help guide you in that direction. And that intuitive feeling to me becomes your compass and points you in the direction. It's like, oh, there's the mountaintop over there. I'm going in that direction. And logic is the tool that you use to get there. Mm, I love that. That's a, that's a great distinction between the two. Um, I think also when we look at like arts and sciences, like you don't, at least a lot of what art is, is not like perpendicular lines and, and formulas and mathematics, but um, there is that contrast. And even to the point where people say, if you can't prove it scientifically, then it doesn't exist. And yet there is that abstract, um, ethereal sense that we have within ourselves that I find a lot of people just aren't listening to. I know I've, I've had that journey myself because frankly, I think we live in a world that says, logically, you shouldn't do this. Logically, you shouldn't go and leave the country right now. Logically, you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, try to try to buy a house because of all this debt that you have, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so let's let's think about people who might just be saying, "Okay, I'm finally ready to start feeling where my consciousness is pulling me." What what are some of the ways they can tap into that? I think that the number one thing that if you want to get in touch with your intuition, the number one thing that is important to do is start meditating. I think that um, you're, the reason why people feel disconnected from their intuition is because they haven't trained themselves on how to quiet the noise. Mm. We have so much noise. We have so much input coming in at all times. And that input creates thoughts. Every input that you're receiving is, is bits of information that are being processed by your brain. And many of that, that, those pieces of information, like uh, we were talking before this, how there like, was a wood chipper that started up as sound, right? So like, there becomes this input of sound, which creates a whole experience for you of, oh my God, what about the sound quality for this interview? And like all of these things, this whole experience. And that's just one sound that comes in. That's not including all the other inputs. That's not including the email you might've read before this or the text message or like your phone vibrates while you're in the middle of something. It's like, oh, what about? And like all of that is noise. And your intuition is such a subtle very specific uh, frequency that you tap into that is like, it's delicate. You know what I mean? We're talking about communicating beyond time. Think about that for a second. It's competing with what's directly around you as matter. And so it's a delicate uh, thing to listen to. And if you haven't trained your mind on how to quiet the noise so you can actually hear it, it's going to be really difficult to follow it. And a lot of people can get confused about what's actually intuition and what's, what's just strong programming. Mm. Like what, where does that, where's that line drawn? I'm like, no, my intuition was saying this when in fact it was just the scarcity mindset that you had that was um, so loud. You're like, oh, this must be intuition. And so for people listening to this, starting to develop a relationship to your intuition. In Huna philosophy, Huna's ancient Hawaiian mysticism. And in Huna, you'll see those like totems, um, poles, whatever. And they have three different selves on, on those poles. And they're like three faces on top of them. And they represent the unconscious, the conscious and the superconscious mind. And so they believe that each of those is its own consciousness. And so you're actually, you're developing a relationship with your unconscious and you're developing a relationship with your superconscious. And if you start to look at it like that, it may give you the framework for um, the action to start taking to develop that moving forward. Yeah, that's, and that's cool. And you see that across many different cultures. You know, I mean, even in Western culture, Western psychology, the the ego and super ego, that there's these different layers of who we are as human beings. But I don't think 
many of us or a lot of us take the time to appreciate that we're multidimensional and that we're actually, you know, pretty complex. There's there's a lot to being a conscious being that separates us from some other beings on the planet that are maybe arranged a little more simply than we are. It's You know, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast um, earlier this morning talking about plants and the intelligence of plants and how like there's some evidence now that plants learn and learn upsets certain people in the scientific community because they don't have brains. So it's like, a, it would be a different reaction. And they're associating, if you associate the word learn with brain, then learn is not the right word, but you get what I'm saying. Mm. That plants can actually adjust their behavior based on past circumstances. Mm. And it got me thinking to how human beings, many of which are challenged even by using the word learn because we want to feel special. We want to feel like we are just, just so cool, man. We want to feel like we are the rock stars of the universe. And while that's awesome, it's interesting to also notice that at the same time that we want that, we downplay how multidimensional and how special we are. You know what I mean? Like how awesome that we have this much complexity. That's actually what makes us so special. Um, yeah, human beings are fascinating, dude. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off the radar a little bit to ask you a question because I'd love to hear your answer. Yep. So um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I look at humans and like it's like, wow, humans are very unique compared to a lot of the other life on this planet. And so if I think in terms of evolution and the way life has evolved over time from like single-celled organisms and nearly nothing on this planet, why have humans become who we are now relative to the rest of the consciousness on the planet, in your opinion? Why have humans, in what capacity specifically are you, are you speaking about? Are you, are you speaking about like conscious, why did humans become like why did things evolve into humans or yeah like why um, do we why do why do humans why are we the only beings on this planet that have this like next level of consciousness you know something that this well, what makes us unique from other close relatives so i'll say this i think that there's there's a point here that i think is really important which we say like which makes us unique everything on this planet is unique in its own way right like like everything is unique. So we are unique and we assign that to our level of consciousness. I think what's important with this is recognizing that everything has consciousness and the consciousness that it has is different. So we just talked about plants. Plants can communicate with each other. Plants can respond to stimuli. Plants can defend themselves. Plants can like do so much that many human beings aren't even aware that plants can do. So there's a, there's a level of consciousness to being a plant that is unique to being a plant. My question is, how do we know that the plant's level of, con excuse me, level of consciousness isn't somehow more evolved than our level of consciousness, right? Like, like maybe those plants, and I believe this to some extent, maybe those plants are ta so tapped into like the planet that the, like the tree out here in my front yard can feel what's happening in the rainforest. And imagine now what would change on this planet in how we treated each other if I could feel the, the pain that was happening in Rwanda, right? If I could feel the effects of the bombs being dropped in Syria. Mm. And if we could tap into that, I guarantee you that behaviors would change in, in probably a really beautiful way. And so if we have a belief that the plants here are tapped into the earth and can feel what's happening, you know, thousands of miles away, then in many ways, maybe their consciousness is more evolved than ours. And so why do I think that human beings have our level of consciousness? I think that human beings have a particular level of consciousness so that we can evolve in a particular way. I think that our human experience is something that is entirely, like you said, unique to being human. And as a soul, it's a wonderful experience. I'm having the best time being human. You know what I mean? Like I'm having a fantastic time. And I also believe that my consciousness, when I, when I pass away, I will return to a consciousness where maybe I am plant consciousness for a while. You know what I mean? Like maybe when we get 
buried into the earth. Perhaps we get absorbed into plants and now we're, we're part of plant consciousness. And then maybe when we're pollinated by a butterfly, maybe for a while we're in butterfly consciousness. You know, I don't know how it works. That's a fun game to play and a thought experiment. But I think when we remove the hierarchy of consciousness, it opens up this framework for whoa, what's, what is that thinking over there? What's, what's possible in this, in this interwoven web of consciousness that we're existing in? Yeah, man, I, I love that response. And, and thanks for playing along with that experiment there because there, it actually, in your, totally. in your response, it reflects to me some of, some of the beliefs that I've taken on that are, I guess, like society's beliefs that humans are at the top of the consciousness chain just because we have thoughts and a brain and all of this stuff. And, and it happens all the time. It happens every time, every single time, like I haven't, I've had an amp crawl on me and I have an automatic response or like, I go like this and I slap something and I like killed a little gnat or something. I go, wow, interesting. I've, I, without thinking about it, like without even thinking about it, I just killed this being. Um, and I had that experience once with a black widow. I had a black widow that was outside of my house, not inside my house, outside in like the, like on the wall outside. And I went into this could bite my dog. This could bite me. This could bite my, my girlfriend. It's, it's needs to be killed. And I had this experience of going, wow, I killed it by the way, but it was as it was dying. Cause I sprayed it with something and it, you know, does its thing. And, and I go, I had this moment where I said, whoa, I wasn't actually being threatened by this being. It wasn't even in my, my house. And yet the fear I had of it gave me my own justification for taking its life. And we see that in a, in human to human interactions. We see people say, I'm afraid of this person, this religion, this whatever. And so it's okay for me to put them into slavery. It's okay for me to um, torture them. It's okay for me to um, kill them. And I think that if we can value life and not just human life, but all life equally, or at least close to equally, it will shift the way that we interact with everything on this planet. When you think, wow, that tree out there or that bush out there might actually have a level of consciousness that's just different from my own and not any better, not any worse, it's going to change my decision to just cut it down. Mm. Like there have been times in my youth that like drunkenly, like I remember a friend, my friends and I were like, my friend like kicked a tree, like kicked a tree like a little tree in the apartment complex and it like broke. And then it became something where he's like, I, I, I karate kicked a tree and like kicked it down and like carried around. Like, this is awesome. Like I was, I did that. And we all thought it was funny. We thought it was hilarious. Drunken, you know, 21 year old Adam. And now that, that breaks my heart. Like that I had that reaction to it and I don't beat myself up. I don't make myself wrong, but I recognize what it's taken for me to get, to where I'm at now with how I see the world. And that's why, if it's possible for me, I believe it's possible for anyone, which is what motivates me. It's what motivated me to create my show and to go on tour with it. It's what motivates me to, to do my podcast. It's what motivates me to make my videos. It's what motivates me to post the post that you were talking about um, with Carrie. Like all of it is motivated by knowing that if it's been possible for me, it's possible for everyone. Mm. And I love that you say that, man. I mean, that's that alone is just such a powerful message because a lot of times that goes back to what you said before about how how we don't recognize how powerful we really are. And up till now, you've, you've talked about ownership, you've talked about intuition. And what I'm hearing in this past, you know, five or 10 minutes of our dialogue is empathy. And you said something before about, you know, some plants can feel the devastation in the rainforest in your belief. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, wow, we do have a sense for that as humans, but are we all really tapped into it to the depths that we could be? So it sounds like that you're, you're speaking to something of like, here's the sense that we have but maybe we're not really using it to the level we could because if we were, the world would be different, wouldn't it? I mean, I remember seeing uh, the movie Hotel Rwanda. Have you seen that movie? Oh yeah, man, of course. I saw that, I, that, was, that movie 
was one of those moments where I can think back and be like, there was a shift in me because it was in that moment where I realized, whoa, I, I actually don't, I didn't know anything about this. Like this was going, this has been going, this is still going on. And I didn't know a single thing about this and how that made me feel how it made me feel to know that I was turning on TV and seeing news reports about like the stupidest things and yet nothing about the genocide that was happening and noticing the, the times that the United States and it gets involved in certain conflicts and noticing the like behind the scenes reasons why they might be doing it, uh, oil and, and all of those things. And when there's not a special interest, when there's not something to be gained like that, no involvement. And so it really shifted things for me. But what I noticed too, was the, the ability for me to tap into a level of empathy in that moment that, and I'd never, I'd never been to Rwanda. I'd never met, I don't even know if I'd met any Rwandans. And yet by just seeing it, just by becoming aware of it, I was heartbroken. I was in tears and it changed me forever. And so I know that we have the potential for this. If you sit down and you just go into a meditation and you allow yourself to tap into the energy around uh, a rape victim, right? Or the energy around someone who cannot pay their rent and cannot feed their family. You can feel that. We are able to tap into that collective consciousness. It exists beyond time. And so I do believe that we have that ability. And what I also believe is that we've collectively, for the most part, shut off that ability because it's so painful and because people haven't been taught healthy ways to deal with that level of discomfort. And so things like man cave and things like uh, hiring a coach, those, those in many ways are simply avenues to learn how to have a healthy relationship to our emotional experience. And once we feel like, oh, I can handle being sad. I can handle being angry. I, like, I can be with that in a healthy way. We're going to be more open to being empathetic. We're going to be more open to hearing about that and actually allowing ourselves to feel something because we're not afraid that we won't get out of that spiral. Mm. Yeah, man. And as you're saying that, I'm just realizing that um, marketing, media, politics, the news, they've all figured out ways to play on our empathy. And, and there's like almost like empathy overload to the point where, you know, I'm going to turn myself off for my empathy because that very sensitive channel is being um, manipulated, for lack of a better word. That's a pretty, pretty strong word, but it's being, it's being uh, a, a, I don't know, they're, they're working on it. They're working on our empathy in order to influence <laughs> so, what we do. So uh, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. It's, it's, it's really powerful that we as humans have this ability. Like you said, everybody has the power. Everybody, if you can do it, I can do it. Anyone can do it. Yet we... We tape it for, for all these different reasons. And, and when you also just think about why would someone, and we get back to the logic, right? Because so many people are in their logical mind primarily, and they'd ask themselves the question, why, how does it make any sense for me to like consciously choose to feel the pain that's happening in Syria or Rwanda or, or with the rainforest? Um, why does it make any sense for me to feel that when there's nothing I can do about it? Mm. Right. Like yeah. that's, that's the big question that, that I think people are unconsciously or consciously facing off with. And it's a really great question. And what it elaborates and really just like brings to the surface is the level of hopelessness that so many people feel right now. The, the level of like, what's the point you know what I mean? The government's corrupt. The school systems are broken. Like the rich are getting richer. Like what's, what's even the point? What can I do? And that, that is maybe the single, the one single belief that we need to transcend as an individual to be willing to take the leap of faith and, and do something big enough that can change the planet. Mm. Because if you, if you think there's no point, if you think it's helpless and it's hopeless, everything you do is going to carry that energy. And you're right we create our reality, it's going to reflect back to you all the ways that you can't change it. But I can tell you that there are so many examples, pretty much like everyone that you want to use it as an example of someone who's changed the world, right? 
it started with them believing that they could. That's the starting point. Or there's the starting point of, it's not even about changing the world. It's about taking a stand for something I believe in. And by doing that strongly enough, people resonated and the following grew or the like business grew. And over time, that was enough for them to say, whoa, I have the momentum. Maybe this is real. Mm-hmm. But it starts by believing it's that you either can or that it's worth trying. One of those two things. Mm, I love that. You can do it or it's, or it's worth giving it a shot, giving it your best effort. That's powerful, man. That's a powerful message. I hope everybody, if you guys, you know, just back up 30 seconds and listen to that one one more time so it really lands. <laughs> uh, cool, man. So, I mean, wow, so many amazing things for us to chat about. Uh, let's, let's start to bring this to some sort of closure here. Um, when we started off, you said that masculinity has been coming up in your work and, and in your atmosphere quite a bit. So what are some of the messages about masculinity that are coming up, the topics that you feel are really relevant for you right now and for other men in the world? Yeah, the thing that's, that's most present for me right now is how as men do we create a safe space for women to feel all that's coming up for them? That's, that's where I'm at because in order to heal, we need to feel. And right now, collectively, what you're seeing is women feel for the first time like they have the platform to be able to feel all of the repressed anger and the repressed sadness and the hurt and the resentment and the victimization. Like all of that is being felt right now. And it's important that as men, we don't take it personally. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah. it's it's like like that's like a huge thing easier said than done but I, I see a lot of men who are very much taking it personally and are when you take it personally that now you feel like you're being attacked when you feel like you're being attacked you go into fight or flight or freeze and the ability to have rational discussions about this the ability to come to uh healthy solutions to to these issues uh, starts to go out the window. <laughs> and so the, the conversation I'm in is, okay, women need to feel this, but, but it needs to be done in a way that, that is safe for everyone, for, for men and women. And the only way that that's going to be done, in my opinion, is for men to create the space for women to, you know, because men in many ways have been the reason why women haven't felt safe to express. And so now it's on us. Like, how do we, so how do we make them feel safe to, to express? And how do we also own our king and don't go into wounded masculine of like, oh my God, I, I, I screwed up. And like, I can't, I can't be in my strength and my power. How do I stay in my power and say, listen, I'm going to hold space for you to express. And I'm going to hold my boundaries around the way in which I'll receive that. Like it happens, it's, it, you know, it's a microcosm, right? So when we look in our relationships, you're in a relationship, I'm in a relationship. In a relationship, I will hold the space and say, go ahead, baby. Like, let me hear your experience. Let me hear what you're going through. Let me, like, I can do that. But if you start calling me names, if you start blaming me, if you start trying to make me feel bad, my patience runs thin for that. I'm not, I'm not the space for your projection, but I am the space for your authentic feelings. And so we get to be, as a collective, just look at what works in, in relationships between men and women or, or even same-sex relationships, but like what works in relationships and it's not any different than in the collective. And so that's where I'm at right now with, with masculinity is as a man, what is my role in allowing for the healing that gets to happen between men and women? That's beautiful, man. And I've, I've heard that in some different capacities before, but the way you dialed it in right there is profound. And I don't know, maybe I missed it uh, in your social media, but if you haven't already express that message for men to hear, please do it, man. Please do it. Because the ability to hold that container for our women, it, it goes exactly right back to what you said in the beginning about ownership. You know, even if I didn't create the pain that my partner has, even if it's connected to what her, you know, boyfriend told her back in high school about her body, then I can still take ownership of, okay, what can I do to create a reality that's more, that's safe for her to process and work through that? And, you know, thinking of things like, um, 
rape and sexual assault on women. It's like a huge topic these days. And, you know, I might be a man who says, listen, I never raped anybody. Why is Why are all the women in the world mad at all the men? And it's like, well, wait a second. Maybe I could take responsibility for the culture that I've allowed to happen around that, that, I, that I've contributed to making that okay. And, and somehow that's, that's contributed to it. So really powerful message, man. Make totally. sure you, make sure you put it out there for the fellas. I will. You're this, this happens quite a bit, actually. When I do like an interview, I'm like, whoa, I haven't spoken about that on my own, on like my own social media. So, um, yeah, I'll do that. Awesome, man. And, and who knows, maybe we'll have to do a part two just to dive into that topic. I think that's one that's going to really land for a lot of guys. So we can maybe open that up another time. Cool. Um, cool, man. So uh, just to kind of bring it to a close, uh, everything that you've shared so far has been solid gold. I'm looking forward to seeing the responses from the men. Um, there's a few questions that I ask at the end just to just to tie it up and put you on the spot, lightning round style. You ready? Let's do it. <laughs> cool. So what for you is one thing you've learned up to this point in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18? That reality is not empirical. Mm. Reality is relative to the observer. Beautiful, man. I love that. And uh, we already talked quite a bit about what it, what it means to be a man in your perspective. So let, let me ask you this. What are some of the values you think are important for men to own? Hmm. I think the values that are, are really important as, as a man is, I think, confidence. Because I think confidence allows for ownership. You know what I mean? Like that, because what you're saying, when I say confidence, I mean the type of confidence where you can say, I'm not allowing things outside of myself to dictate who I am. I have the confidence in who I am to move through the world. And I think that that is really, really healthy. I think it's a healthy way of being. And I think that so much of our society has confused confidence with arrogance and people are learning arrogance when, they, when it's actually confidence that um, is, is healthy to embody. And I think another value that's, that's really important is uh, vulnerability. I think that vulnerability, uh, shifting this paradigm of, of, you know, boys don't cry and getting into, it is not just okay for you to show your emotions, but it is the actual thing that will allow for healing and progress on this planet. And there's a willingness to be vulnerable that, that is important. And I guess the final thing I would say is courage. As a man, you so like the way that society's been, like people are looking to you. There's a reason why spokespeople, for the majority of spokespeople who sell ads are men, because there's like this authoritarian, like there's just a thing that like right now men are being seen as like the role models in a lot of different ways. And I love see, by the way, women listening to this, like I love seeing female role models and there's a lot of them. I'm speaking specifically to men right now that the way that the collective works, there's a lot of eyes looking to you as a man and having the courage to be vulnerable, having the courage to stand for something is, um, priceless. It's so important. And I hope that people listening to this recognize they're not alone. So you're not standing alone. When you have the courage to stand for vulnerability, you're all of a sudden going to notice, oh, there's a lot of people doing that. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. I love the the values you share, especially courage. That's one that none of the other men have, have spoken to yet. And I think it is really essential for everything that you talked about, including going out on the limb, taking that leap and standing for something that really matters. So beautiful, man. Uh, yeah. Last but not least, then let's just uh, let the people hear it. You know, how can we follow you? How can we support you? Socials, the tour coming up, whatever you want to let people know about. Thanks, Jetty. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on, man. You're like, I do a lot of these and you've, you're a great host. So just an acknowledgement of you. Thank you, bro. Yeah. So the hub is adamroa.com, A-D-A-M-R-O-A.com. Uh, you'll be able to kind of get everywhere from there. My podcast, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa, SoundCloud, iTunes, everywhere. Uh, then you have Facebook and Instagram. So Facebook, Adam Roa, Instagram, Adam.Roa. Uh, the big thing that, that is like the once that may be the last time that anyone gets to experience it is my show, Permission to Think Freely, which is... I blend all of these concepts of how we created our reality and how we can shift. I blend it into a ceremonial spoken word poetry artistic experience that's unlike anything that I've ever experienced before. And 
is difficult to put into words, but I toured it in Australia last year and now I'm bringing it to Canada, Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, and then New York, Denver, and Los Angeles. So Jetty, you got to go to that. You got it, man. Where, where are you? In LA, right? Uh, I'm two hours up from LA, so I'll, I'll put it on the calendar and make it down there. Yeah, so hopefully you come down. June 16th is the LA show. Um, and so that, that show is my proudest creation right now. And I cannot wait to take it on tour. The tour starts May 24th in Calgary. It ends June 16th in, um, in Los Angeles. So if you're anywhere near any of those cities, go to adamroa.com slash tickets and you can find out all the information. Awesome, man. All that information will be in the show notes for everybody listening. I've seen some video clips from your performance and it's incredible man i'm definitely gonna look and make sure i can get down there on june 16th and support you like that Dope. right on brother Dope. thank you very much brother i appreciate it excellent man well thank you for taking the time today amazing wisdom that you dropped on these guys and and myself <laughs> and we'll look forward to having you on again sometime awesome brother have a really great rest of your day and thanks everybody for listening to this all right I had such an amazing time talking to Adam for this episode. Uh, he is such an incredible individual with a lot of unique wisdom and unique perspective on the world. As you can tell from listening, we went all over the place. <laughs> and I really I really stretched Adam to his capacity to, to give us everything that, that he possibly could. And you know, the, the biggest takeaway from this conversation for me was talking about ownership and the, and the reason why it's so important for us to take ownership of everything that happens in our lives, everything, especially the things that we don't feel responsible for. Because if we give responsibility away to something like the person who rear-ended you or the, the, the friend you used to have who stole your money, if we give responsibility to them, then we also give power and authority away to that individual. But if we take ownership for everything that comes into our lives, even the things that we don't really want to take responsibility for or we don't really believe we had something to do with, if we just take ownership anyway, then that means we have the power to change and create a new reality for ourselves. So amazing message from Adam. So excited. Make sure you guys share this up with other men in your lives who need to hear this message too, because this is the way we spread the word. This is the way that we make change, travel across the globe, across the world, everywhere. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, Adam is going on tour, like starting next week, May, June, Permission to Think Freely show, uh, going through Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, New York City, Denver, and LA to wrap it up. To check out the dates, if you live in one of those cities, go over to adamroa.com, check it out, get your tickets today. Send me a picture of your ticket and I'll be sure to give you a shout out and, and uh, make sure that Adam knows that you're gonna be there um, because this is gonna be a really powerful show. He's doing it for the first time and I, I can tell that it's gonna be really, really impactful already. So as always, uh, there's so much work to be done in between these episodes. There's so much that... There's only so much you can get by listening to one episode of a podcast. So what my encouragement is, is that you take this inspiration, you take the pearls of wisdom that you got from myself and Adam having this conversation and figure out how you can apply that to your life. Figure out what is the next concrete action step that you can take to change your life today? Because you have the power to do that and only you. No one's gonna come around and change your life for you. And like I mentioned in the top of the episode, if you're a man out there who you you hear this information and you're, you feel like you're you're ready to lift off in your life and you just don't know what's the very next step, hit me with a message. Reach out to me on Facebook because I'm ready to work with you. I'm ready to support men who are ready to up-level their lives in a big way. So hit me up on Facebook or hit me with an email, jettyazuma at gmail.com and let me help you to figure out how you can become your best and highest and greatest self. As always, go check out the show notes for this show, links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. If you're listening to this episode on a podcast app, make sure you subscribe, leave a review. That's the way that we really get the rankings up for this podcast so that more men find and the, the, this podcast, they, they can become a part of this movement, of this message. If you do subscribe, leave a review, get a screenshot, snap it, send it over to me, tag me or send it to the Rising Man Podcast at gmail.com and you'll get a private invitation from me to have a chat 
but we'll set it up literally this week. You shoot me those, you shoot me those screenshots, guys. I already had three people reach out to me this week and we're putting something on the schedule right now. So help us reach other men by leaving this review. I can't tell you how much of a difference it does make for men out there who see real men who are listening and getting value from this podcast. So thank you guys in advance for doing that. And as always, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community. If you haven't gotten out there already, then go over to facebook.com slash group slash the rising man. This is where we're continuing the conversations we stir up in these podcast episodes. And we're diving deeper into some of the challenges we experience as men. Men are bringing their stories and their challenges to the forefront, sharing them in live videos and posts and getting tremendous support from men around them. It's amazing. I love how when we create a space where men can be vulnerable with each other, we start to flock and support each other because it's what we naturally want to do. So if you haven't already, make sure you go over to the Facebook group, request to be invited in, and we'll get you hooked up today. And lastly, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod or myself, my personal Instagram at Jetty Azuma. Shout out to my master audio engineer, Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records. That's at Less Than The Number Three Records. He's the wizard behind the scenes, guys. I tell you every week, he's the one making these episodes happen. And we're 13 episodes deep now, Sean. So keep up the magic, man. Excellent work. And then for the rest of us, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.